right, here we go. Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea, just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here, and that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life, and heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try, the diamond dogs are here, and that means that Give up, just believe. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to a very special combined episode nine and ten version of the Diamond Dogs podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jason Barnaby, here with my fabulous co-host, Beth Rashley. Beth Rashley. I always feel like I'm catching Beth by surprise when I do that. I know. I'm like, what's my name again? Who am I? What's happening? What are we I'm doing? I'm always looking at her like, are you ready? Are you ready? Because we do this on Zoom if we haven't told you that before. So it's nice to see our faces. And we're glad you've joined us again for yet another another episode. And these, you know, we decided that these are just kind of weird. So we're going to combine nine and 10 and recap it all and then dig into some some fun stuff. So yeah, Beth, would you like I think to? These are, yeah, I think these are interesting episodes. Episode nine, which is titled Beard After Hours. Oof. If you talk to somebody who's like a fan of the show, there are a lot of like mixed feelings about this episode. It's yeah. super kind of standalone deep dive into beard alone. And it's weird. Uh, and it's weird. Like it's just, it's off from the, the show. So we did weird. some like, we did some sleuthing to try to figure out like, why does this seem so different? And Basically what happened was they had season two written before season one came out. And then season one was so successful. The Apple said, Hey, why don't you do 12 episodes instead of 10 in season right. two? So right. they had to kind of go back and say, okay, where could we expand things? Where could we add some things in? And one of the things they did was basically to decide, let's write an episode from Beard's Beard's point of view. Yeah, And let's see what that looks like. And um, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy, was actually one of the writers of this. And then they bought, they brought in a special director, which I think you have some intel on. And so it looks different. It's different sets. It's a different feel. It's a whole different vibe. Very different. It, and I remember when it came out, when I was watching it way before the podcast existed, I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Like it's very, it's very different. It's not, I don't dislike it, but it's strange. Like it's, a and you kind of episode. wonder, like, as you're watching it, like, did this really in fact happen? Yeah. Was is it a this, dream? Like, yeah. Is was it, it a, a dream? <clears throat> a dream within a dream. dream. That's right. Yeah. Like it, it's just a strange episode. So I'm going to do just like a light plot synopsis. So basically what happens from a recap perspective is after the loss um, at the end of episode eight, we see coach Beard decides to not ride the bus home with the team and kind of goes out on his own. So he starts by going to the subway and then he ends up back at his apartment and then he goes to the pub and he hangs out with the three like super fans that are always there for a while. And then he tells Ted, he needs to shake the, yeah, like, he he's like, I need to off. get over this and yeah. shake it off. Yeah. And so Sir he hangs out with them for a while at the pub. They close down the pub. They decide to try to get into the secret club. 
he gets kicked out. Then he's in a fight in the street. And then he's in this lady's apartment who's no, wait, that's the other way around. So he gets kicked out of the club. Then he goes to get his pants fixed at this lady's house. Who keeps his pants and gives him other weird pants, weird sequence pants. And then he gets in a fight and then he finds Jane and it's all like, it's just one kind of weird set of events after another and basically ends with him back at work with the coaches doing like tape replay. So it's just, it's a strange, it it starts and ends in a normal way, but the middle is, is just this like Alice in Wonderland kind of adventure. And what's, you know, some behind the scenes stuff that I learned is so the, if you watch the episode before this, Manchester City's song, because their color, I'm assuming, is the reason why their song is Blue Moon. I saw you standing alone. And the yeah. whole, you know, the fans are singing it. So that song plays throughout this episode. There's a big moon that kind of follows him through all of this. He apparently loves to hula hoop. Like, no, that scene with him yeah. hula hooping. Is so he just... was really, he said that he was really excited that that happened. And the other thing, so this whole thing ends like in a rave. He, he goes to a rave and finds Jane and the people that they used for the rave were real musician, artist people in England. So these oh, are cool. like, it's not extras. They're like, I mean, they are extras because they're not normally on the show, but these <laughs> are people that you would, these are people who would be raving who are at a makeup rave, made up rave. And he was saying like, I didn't want it to be like some cheesy thing like that looks like it was trying to be a rave and so you know it actually winds up happening that there is and the other thing that we see throughout this is again we've talked about this a ton on the show is this internal dialogue except the internal dialogue takes place it's either may or the two sports casters who are mm-hmm. like basically commentating on all the things that he does and and in a few situations, calling him small or like not being confident or not doing what he, you know, really knew he should have done. Yeah. And so <laughs> I feel like it's a it's a portrayal of like his inner critic. Yes. Yes. Being manifested in real life. Yes. And that's interesting. That was my favorite part. Like when you look at it from a leadership perspective, I think there's that piece that I think is really interesting that we can dig into a little bit. And then the other piece that I really like about it is at the beginning when he knows he has to shake this off and he chooses to not be around the team to do that. I think there's a lot of leadership self-awareness in that. Yes. Like to know this was a tough loss for me. I'm not going to show up as my best self. I've got to shake this off away from other people. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, really good. I think that's a smart, that's a smart leadership decision. And the other thing that I think is interesting and he talks, I read a couple of, of interviews with him about with Beard's character or the person that plays Beard about this particular episode. And he was saying that the three super fans didn't really because I guess they kept the scripts for every episode pretty close to the chest. Yes, yes. So they didn't article, know they didn't know that they were gonna be and he's like they played it totally cool. And he said then finally when the scripts came out, he walked over and he was like, Hey, so I we're gonna be spending some time together. And all three of them were like, Oh my gosh, yes, yes. They were so excited, like they'd kept it bottled up for so long. And one of the one of the greatest scenes for me in this 
is you know they they go to this club, they do all this stuff, they they wind up winning money and playing billiards and hire a limo, so they're driving around this limousine. And Beard gives them an address and says like the name of a person and says, just tell him Beard said it's fine. So they have no idea. Like, is it an, and you as the viewer don't know, like, is it a new club? Where are they yeah. going? They pull up in this alley. It's this old door. It's this kind of funky guy who opens it up and looks kind of scary. And he like radios up and says, light them up. And they walk out and they're on the Richmond field. Yeah, and that's such a great like scene. Little kids. And, you know, I was part of a conversation uh, earlier this year with leadership. They had an opportunity to go. Uh, I, I don't know if it was here in India or if it was to another city. It doesn't matter. But they were going to go to a, it was a major sporting event. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an important game or race, whatever the thing was. And the team, the executive team had connections. So they were going to be in a suite. And for those of you who've never been in a suite, it's kind of like flying first class. It's like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Yeah. Like, how can like I ever I've go been, back? Yeah. How, I've been living yeah. my life wrong that this is yeah. in my life every yeah. time. I'm and one of my yeah. most favorite Seinfeld episodes ever is when uh, Elaine and Jerry are flying and there's one upgrade and Jerry's like, I'll take it. And Elaine's like, oh, and he's like, well, you've never flown first class. You don't know what it's like up there. I do. I know what I'm missing. I couldn't possibly go back to coach. Kind of the way I feel about like if you've ever been in a suite, because it's just, it's the suite yeah, is it's sweet. The best. It's yeah. pretty nice. And there was this whole conversation about like, do we take the leadership team? And me and somebody else were pitching the idea of this is a, this is a really important memory to make for some of your people, right? Because people on the executive team have probably been to these kinds of things lots of times. And I remember once hearing uh, an executive that I used to work with, he had been at several conferences over the last couple of weeks and we were at dinner talking about something and he was talking to another guy on the team and he goes, you know, How, how's it been? What have you been doing? He's like, oh, you know, did this and went out to dinner all this time. So I'm just having salad tonight. He's like, I mean, really how many nights in a row can you eat steak? And I was just like, you're such a douche. Yeah. That's... Like, and my point in all, in saying all of this is that things that you in leadership, some of those perks, some of those things that you take for granted, some of those things that may feel like old hat for you almost, there are people in your company who have never, ever had that opportunity. Yeah. And it's yeah. such an opportunity to reward people, to shine a light on them, for you to say, nah, and uh, and let them build uh, memories, which is I love that because Beard could have just said, you know, it's been fun, boys. Yeah. But no, he like they will never forget this. They're playing. They're they're shooting goals. They're you know they're doing running around and rolling on the grass. Oh, yeah, like the doing best. the doing the victory dances mm -hmm. and sliding on the grass and all the things. And I just thought, you know, what a great insight. For beard to say go do this and those yeah. guys will never forget it yeah which i, I think that's great. a great again that is absolutely a leadership moment the other thing that like really comes out that we see this a lot in in beard's behavior um but there's the scene uh, basically they've they've kind of bullshitted their way into this club this super exclusive club and um they they meet some people and they're you know beards pretending he went to oxford and 
the guys just happen to have gone to Oxford. So they're like quizzing him and you think it's going to go really sideways, but he knows every everything. Like he knows all the stuff yes. about Oxford that there's no reasonable, you know, and they're quizzing the Oxford guys are quizzing yeah. him on like some really obscure, weird yeah. stuff like, you know, boat races and crew and like, which building did he live in? And that it's yeah. across from a boat. I mean, it's like all this obscure stuff. And the whole time you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is going to go terrible. Cause how would yeah. he be able to answer these questions? But he knows all the things. And yeah. the, the super fan guys, they're like, how did you do that? Like what? He goes, yeah. well, I dated somebody who went to Oxford once and I listened more than I talk. As usual, the quiet ones know everything. Like they just, so you know, true. they sit there and they soak it in and they know everything. Like, it's just, I loved the like manifestation of that on the and screen I, in this moment. Yes. And I will just challenge any leader listening to this, if you have a quiet person on your team who you're like, ah, oh, they don't ever say anything. They don't speak up much. They don't, maybe they don't even have an opinion. Ask them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and have your, knock your socks off. have your pen and paper ready to take yeah. notes. Cause the stuff they're going to reveal, you're going to be like, what? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a game changer for you. Nine times out of 10. Yeah. So I also have to like the other thing that I loved, I have to say the, this funny moment too. So when they first sit down at the pub, uh, one of the super fan like fires off three questions in the row in a row. And one of them is, has, has beard ever been to Vegas? Oh yes. And yes, so he yes, answers yes. them all in the row. And he, and he, when he gets to Ve Vegas, he goes, yes, I've been to Vegas many times. One night is good. Two nights is perfect. Three is too many. And it's just, just like that. And I've been to Vegas twice, both times with like train wreck results. <laughs> Were they three days? I was trying to remember how many days. So the first time I went to Vegas, I had, this was, I was in graduate school still. I remember. And I was dating this guy. I just started dating this guy a couple of months ago and he wanted to go to Vegas. He had this trip planned with some friends and he was like, do you want to go? And I was like, sure. So I went with him. And we were probably there, I bet, three days. And on like day two, we broke up. Oh, <laughs> we were still on vacation together. No. And it was awful. Oh, like, it was one terrible. of those, like, it, it was so bad. Like, it, oh. just everything about it was terrible. We still had to fly on the same airplane next to each oh, other. We still had to, like, get home from the airport together. You know, like, it was just awful. So that was trip one to Vegas. Trip two to Vegas, my best friend Nate won a trip for work. Um, right before I moved to Washington, DC, he won some like sales contest at work and he got to go to this cool conference in Vegas and be, especially because it was like, right before he left, he goes, let's go, you go with me. We'll have this like last hurrah in Vegas. And again, it was probably a three or four day trip on day one or two. I got sick as a dog, the worst cold I've had in years, coughing, like so congested. We had all these plans. We were going to do all these things. I sat in the hotel room the whole time because I was so oh, sick. We had like one day of fun and I was just sick as a dog. So Vegas and I, it's not, it's not a love match. Bad and you haven't been back since. No, nope, haven't been back since. Wow. No, well, you got to get third time's a charm, Beth. I don't know. There. I'm a little bit afraid to like take my husband there. Cause you know, like what, what if he breaks up with me? What? It's not true. He, be, he that, breaks up with I you just, and you get sick. Right? Like, what if both things happen? I could get COVID Oof. and get divorced all on the same vacation. Like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would happen to me if I went back to Vegas. Yeah. So Beard Beard has a has, you know, he's not in Vegas. 
He's in London, obviously, but he does have a situation that doesn't work out really well. He's being chased by the boyfriend of the woman that <laughs> fixed his, his pants, pants which right? is yep. just weird. It's such a weird storyline. And he winds up getting cornered uh, by Jamie's dad and his two buddies. And so they start fighting and just, you know, it's beard is just a glutton for punishment. He just keeps asking. I mean, he just, it's like, it's one of those things that you're watching, like, just stay down, dude, just stay down. Mm -hmm. And he just gets back up and gets more mouthy. And one of the commentators says, you know, as they're giving the commentary on his life, he says, clearly he'd rather get beat up than accept the love and support of the people around him. And it's like, I think that's a super, for big character oh, insight. Oh man. Right? And yeah, and you know so many of us, so many of us, I was I just had a situation last week where someone close to me said, "Look, I don't know how to ask for help and yeah. I don't know how to accept it when it's offered." Ooh. And it was a it was a, this was a pretty pretty intense emotional moment for this person to admit these things and I just wonder how many of us are sitting out there like, you know, we've talked about imposter syndrome and all those other things, but just how many of us, like we so desperately want help. We're so afraid to ask. And when it is offered, we think it's weak to, to accept it. Can we just, can we just torch that bullshit yeah. mindset that that's people who are good leaders, people who, who really get it are willing to ask for help, who accept it when it's given who aren't too arrogant, who aren't too proud. Those are the ones that I think we see longer and longer and longer and longer and longer in leadership because they don't burn out because they're not doing it all themselves. Well, and I think the other thing that we forget about that behavior is it's a trust builder. Asking somebody for mm -hmm. help shows that you trust them. And without those types of opportunities, you just won't build relationships that are as strong and as tight. Yep. Like that's just the way it is. <laughs> well, and the um, other thing too is, you know, people will offer a couple of times and if you continue to say no, they'll yeah, stop. They're gonna offering. stop. Yeah. Like it's, you know, people aren't going to bang their head against a wall continually. That's just not, that's not how we work. Um, but I get it. And I can have empathy for, it. I can struggle with that sometimes. I think it's a superhuman struggle, but I think especially when you've got that leader hat on, it's something you have to do the work on because it's well, important. Yeah. And I would say, especially for people who are in similar situations that you and I are in, Beth, with owning our own businesses, there's a, a great book that I was handed several years ago when I was just talking about this idea. It's called The E-Myth. Have you ever read The uh -uh. E-Myth? No, I've never. I think E stands for entrepreneurial. And, you know, it's this, the myth is that, you know, you're going to own your own business and you're going to be, you're going to be able to take off whenever you want and do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, all these that things. That is a lie. Yeah. And, and the truth is what happens is most people start to start their businesses. They can't ask for help. They won't accept it when it's offered because they don't think anybody else can do it as good as they can do it. And so you wind up micromanaging the shit out of things. You have no processes because it's on your head. You're doing everything yourself. You're never letting it go. And one of the things that stuck with me from that book, I think it's been redone since, but they said, you know, look at McDonald's. McDonald's has put a billion dollar company into the hands of teenagers. Boy, isn't that the truth? Because they figured out the processes and procedures, the way you make French fries is the yep. same every time, the way you make a hamburger and a water whopper, ooh, a Big Mac, 
That oh, was McDonald's bad. McDonald's would be real upset. mad about that. Yeah. We're not getting mm-hmm. them as a sponsor. That's for no, sure. No. So, and they just talk about the fact that they've, uh, you know, they've put the processes in place and then they've walked away, right? Like, and that's what so many of us, because, because we're so tired and I'll tell you, I've, I've been struggling with this over the last several months. Like how much of fire starters is Jason and how much of Jason is fire starters and how much of my self identity comes from business how much of who I am is tied to what I do and how much of what I do is tied to who I am. I got challenged by that, by my, by my uh, therapist, Michael, who you all have met. And I was like, damn you, Michael, for asking me such a, I know that's a real good question. And, and I think that's true for a lot, even if you're not an entrepreneur. Yes, 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 like yes. How much of, of who we are is tied to what we do. Yep. I mean, it's a I, lot for a lot of yep. people. And a lot of us, if it's not tied to what if it's not tied to what we do, it's tied to what we want to do and the title that we could get if we got yeah. to that next, you know, and what you realize, spoiler alert, there is no title that yeah. that fills that hole. So yeah. you, you what happens when you get to the end of that race is you're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's no great moment where you like sit down and feast and you're full and you're like, ooh, this is it. Like I've arrived. No, you get there and you're like, shit, there's another race happening starting yeah. tomorrow for the next and time. Sometimes you get there and you're like, oh, this isn't even the race I wanted to win, apparently, because this yeah. isn't it, you know? Yeah. Or you realize yeah. a bunch of other cheap people cheated to get to the end. And that's. Yeah. Super frustrating. Yeah. All right. So that, I mean, do we have any more insights on, so. I think on weird beard? No, I think let's leave that where it is. I'd be really interested for our listeners. Like, what'd you think of this one? Like, how did it land for you? Because I think yeah, because Beth and I watched it. A, like, I think, I think you I've watched it, it three or four times in the I've last couple of weeks. I've watched it for sure three, if not four. Yeah, and trying it, to like unpack, like, what is happening here? It just gets weirder every time. Yeah, every time I watch <laughs> it, I'm like, oh, that was a weird choice, and that was a weird choice. But yeah. I mean, I yeah. get where they were going the Gilmore girls fan in me gets even like the look and feel of it. I think there are a couple episodes of the Gilmore girls that are like that. My daughter has the Gilmore girls literally memorized every I single love that show. I love that show. If you feel like you've lost your fire, especially during the great resignation in the wake of a global pandemic, you're not alone. People are rethinking life choices and life paths like never before. Lucky for you, it's not a road you have to walk alone. Igniting the Firestarter Within chronicles Jason Barnaby's and several other leaders' journeys, from corporate professional to solopreneur. This book will help you find your fire, fan the flame, and tend your tribe as you work to uncover the real you. Want to accelerate your results? Check out 30 Days to Blaze, a 30-day practical step-by-step guide to finding and feeding the fire inside of all of us. You can get both on Amazon.com. All right. So we move on to episode 10 in our yeah. in our special in our special episode yeah, combination. Special, special combined episode. So if you're a Hugh Grant rom-com uh <laughs> four weddings and a funeral person. There's, there's some nods to that through here. Uh, this one's called no weddings and a funeral. And basically, uh, Rebecca's dad dies. Uh, she and Sam are continuing their relationship, uh, in secret. And, and basically Rebecca finds out cause her mom shows up <laughs> at Rebecca's house when Sam's in his boxers in the kitchen. So that makes for, makes for fun. 
Um, Ted has a panic attack as he's getting ready to go to the funeral, calls Sharon for a therapy session. Uh, Rupert shows up with his new wife and baby. Uh, I love, love, love Sassy in this. Oh, me too. In this She's fantastic. Pro- oh my gosh. Especially when it comes to Rupert. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Um, they, uh, Keely and Sassy basically deduce that Rebecca is secretly in a relationship and Keely correctly guesses that it's with Sam and it's all happening like in the back room of the church and they are shouting and cussing and the priest has to come and shush them. And it's pretty hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and basically Rebecca's mom wants her to eulogize her dad. And she's like, I hate him. He cheated on you. Um, and then mom reveals like, I knew that. And it's like, Ooh, so there's all of that being unpacked. Yeah. That whole scene where she talks about walking in on her dad, like, can you imagine like, no, geesh, no. And by the way, done that whole scene is done in a, like, it's so brilliant. And maybe that's a nod to four weddings and a funeral. I don't remember it. Maybe you remember that better. Yeah, but I don't. She's telling the situation that happened with her dad and walking in on it while Ted is telling Sharon about his dad committing suicide. And they like stop one yeah. person saying something and the other person finishes it in their narrative. It's brilliant. It's, it's really great, well done. And yeah. I actually really like the juxtaposition of basically that's two people telling a trauma story. Yes. It's different kinds of trauma, yes. but it's trauma. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. parent and, trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we've, I've probably told this joke before here, but uh, I saw a shirt that said, my job as a parent is to make sure that my kids have something to tell their therapist about when they're older. I'm like, yep, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. I think we've checked that box several yep. times. Yeah. Um, so then the, really the last thing is Rebecca does get up and, and, uh, starts to have the eulogy or starts to tell the eulogy and winds up singing, never going to give you up, which that's a special song to the mom and, and Ted does arrive late and kind of helps keep it going along. And, um, and then, so if you haven't seen this to the end, there's a little piece here that you got to pay attention to that Rupert on his way out tells Rebecca that he will give her the remaining shares of Richmond. And then, uh, you know, like I've talked Bex into giving up her shares, which is complete BS. And we know that, but then you see him kind of whispering to Nate and Nate kind of looking like, you know, he kind of has this look like, Oh, you know, he kind of puts his shoulders up a little Mm -hmm. bit and it's real uh, subtle. Yeah, real subtle, but uh, big implications there. And then Rebecca does wind up ending her relationship with Sam because she basically feels like she's afraid of getting hurt, but also grows closer to her mom. So yeah, yeah, whole it's a lot. F- it's it's a feel good episode for sure. It is like it's a great one. There's, and there's a, a lot, lot of, of funny stuff in it, and a lot of character development as yeah. we were talking about before. Yeah. Why don't what what are some lessons that stuck out to you? most when you think back to this particular episode? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One of the things that I really love, and I think really says a lot about what Rebecca has built at the team is that the team makes a decision that they're all going to go to this funeral. Yep. They're also like, there's a great scene where Isaac is telling them what they're allowed to wear and that they have to wear dress shoes. And, you know, like they decide as a team, they're all going to go and support her. And I do love that as just a 
a way of the team honoring her as a leader and, yeah. and trying to be there to support her. Really, really sweet, sweet moment. Well, and and I think just a good reminder that you never know the impact that you're Sometimes you just don't know the impact you're making on people. Nope. Nope. And, and what I love about that is he says, you know, we're all going, we're all wearing suits and no trainers. And people are like, oh, what? Uh. And yeah. he looks at Jamie. He's like, you're all, he's like, you got to wear shoes and a shirt. <laughs> like, so I love this because yeah. he's like, it's comical, but he's also calling people out in their, like, he knows where some of the yeah. hot spots are yeah. and he's calling that out. And when you call that out in front of other people like that, and this is done, I think in a, in a well-meaning way, like if Jamie were to show up without a shirt, I think that team would have been like, dude, what the hell? Like Isaac said, you have to wear a shirt, right? Yeah. Whereas if Isaac didn't say anything, he could have shown up with the suit on and been like, oh, well, I'm wearing a, sh- I'm wearing a suit. Like yeah. that's a big deal. And, um, I love that. And when they do show up at the funeral and they're standing, the bus pulls up and Higgins gets off first, which is perfect. Of course, it's yeah. Higgins. Um, they all, you know, start getting off the bus and she looks at Higgins and goes, how many of them came? And he says, all of them. Yeah. And that's just, and you like, can tell that means something mm, to her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Show of force. I mean, a show of force is is a big deal. Yeah, I think it's really cool. We have to just quickly, while we're on this storyline with the clothes and everything. So (laughs) poor Danny, you know, he doesn't have dress shoes. He has to go buy dress shoes. They don't show that part, but there's kind of a conversation about it. There's a funny conversation because he says, I don't have time to leave and go stand in line for (laughs) for dress shoes. And and I think it's Colin goes, you don't have to wait in line. Nobody wants these kind of shoes. It's either Colin or Jamie. I can't remember. No, it's Jamie. It, it was it Jamie. Jamie. It was Jamie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which is so funny. And then poor Danny, he does not, the shoes are just, he's, he's not comfortable and it's uh, very painful. And there is just so much comedy that comes from it. He's like praying and crossing himself and speaking in Spanish and, Finally, at the like wake after where they're at Rebecca's mom's house, he goes and he must have said something to Rebecca about the shoes and he goes up and he gets her slippers and he comes down and he's like the pink and black polka dots. It's leopard. They're like pink leopard. So great. It's oh, my gosh. I love so much. And what what I loved about that is he is when Danny goes. I love that our shoes are that our feet are the same size. Which I would think if I was Rebecca, that would make me cringe a little bit. Like I got the same size feet as a professional footballer. Damn I it. think it's probably more of a, a knock on Dan. Danny must have small feet. <laughs> so, like, oh, maybe that's it. You can it. spin it that see? way too. Well, see, yeah. Yep. Just goes to show you two different people. Two from, different perspectives. That's right. Yeah. So Get two people together, you have three opinions. That's exactly right. At least if not more. Right. And I, you know, I really, um, I really like, so, you know, in this whole thing as Ted is, is getting ready to go to the funeral and he's also, you know, going to wear a suit he's tying his tie. That's when he has a panic attack. He calls Sharon, Sharon comes over. Um, I love this because yet again, we, we go one more level into the T thing. Um, when she's, when he says, uh, he offers her tea. You want to take the, yeah. the quote? No, I hate tea. It tastes like a wet paper bag. 
Which I love that they have that in common. Uh, that she doesn't so like it great. Either. Especially because she's like British. So like, right. I just and I, love that. I just love that it it just continues. Yeah, you know, they just, the, the, the nonstop. The smacking on, yeah. on the tea. I just love it. And uh, you know, so I really like because some of that character development that we talked about comes out in Ted as he's telling because we find out that Ted didn't go to the funeral of his dad. Yeah. Uh, which is why this whole thing is being triggered. And he is pretty mad because he's like, you know, I didn't I didn't say goodbye to him because he gave up on us. Right. And what and his I re- phrase is that I think the way he says that first is he gave up on my mom. Hmm. Like there's a lot about it. Like when he talks about it um, from a place of anger, it's because he's like sticking up for his mom too, Mm. which I also think is interesting because he can find anger for other people, but not for himself. Like he doesn't, how about being mad because you're the one who found him. Right. And your dad might've known that you would be the one who would find him. You know, like he he doesn't get mad about that. He's mad for his mom. And that's a super common reaction to anger for people who struggle to express anger, which I would just based on what I know, I would put Ted in that category. And this has been your insight into anger with Coach Beth. Coach Beth. I have a lot of feelings about anger. There's a lot of stuff that happens. People's relationships with anger mm-hmm. is an interesting thing to notice mm-hmm. because for a lot of us, you that relationship was formed by what you saw as a kid. Yep. How anger was expressed. Was that healthy or not? Or was not anger expressed. allowed or not? Was there yep. a lot that yep. wasn't expressed? Like how you react to that really in a lot of way forms the way that anger shows up for you as an adult. Yes. We didn't talk about this before we started recording, but have you ever seen the, um, it's like the, I don't know what the the technical term is. Maybe there isn't one, but it's like the emotion wheel. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah. I love that. I think we should clients all the time. I think we should put that in our show notes You bet. because I saw that and was like, oh my gosh, because it's basically like when you feel this, it could be this, yeah. that like on the outside, it looks like this. But if you go a level level deeper, it looks like this, another level down, it's really this. And when you get to the core, it's really this. And it was like, well, damn. <laughs> well, and, and the flip side of that can happen. So sometimes again, like will some people will use the word anger when they really mean disappointment or they really mean yes. betrayal or that, you yes. know, like there can be another, yes. but then there are those of us who would never, and I would put myself in this category. I would never say I'm angry, but I'll say I'm disappointed or I'll say like, but I won't use the word wow. anger like that, that can manifest either way. <laughs> Interestingly, yeah. based on again whether you tend to avoid anger as an emotion or whether you tend to overexpress it. Yeah. At the expense of other emotions. Ooh, that's good stuff. Yeah. This is coaching stuff. Like this, yeah. and this is something that when there's a tool that I use with clients called the Energy Leadership Index, that part of what it asks you is some questions about anger. <laughs> and how that happens. And when I see those answers, there's a lot it tells me about what potentially where some work might be for somebody and unpacking some of that. Interesting. But I've never seen someone not have one extreme or the other, if they struggle with anger, it's those two ways. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it here first and we will, we will uh, link that. What is it called? It's called the feelings wheel. There it is. It's actually in my book. If you have a copy of my book, it's in the book. That's right. Yes. Maybe that's why I was a better author. I would 
be able to tell you the page number of that, but I can't. Nah, that's not true. So it just, I mean, the fact that it's in your book is it's in my book. Um, so, you know, as we start unpacking some of this stuff from Ted and here's, here's one of the lessons for me that stuck out and it happens with Rebecca and her mom when they're talking about her dad as well. But, you know, Ted kind of goes off on this rant about all the stuff about his dad and doc Sharon says, um, what'd you love about your dad? And he's kind of taken aback. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, you've just spent all this time telling me about all the reasons you hate him. What are some things you loved about him? And you just, his voice softens, mm-hmm. his demeanor changes. And he goes back to, he goes back to some of these memories and he says he was a good dad. And I don't think he knew that. And one of the things that Ted then goes on to say is like, I knew right then and there that I was never going to let anybody get by me without understanding that they might be hurting inside. Yeah. Like he missed that with his dad, obviously, yeah. and probably feels some guilt around that. But that is a, that's you, we re, I think that may be the why behind Ted Lasso. Well, right? and like, I think it's also like you see that manifest with Jamie. Yes. You know, like so many opportunities where most people would walk away from Jamie, he doesn't. That's and, where this comes from. That's where yep. that instinct comes from for sure. Yep. And that's also, you know, it's also a good, I, I feel like reminder that as, as awful as trauma is, we've all had trauma in some way in our life. I feel like as awful as trauma is, sometimes those are the things that really shape you mm-hmm. and end up becoming a really positive thing in your life sometimes too. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a note that I have from a therapy session and it says uh sixth, this somebody added on to, I can't remember now. I didn't write it on this thing, but um, there's a sixth stage of grief. Cause they talk about the five stages of grief and somebody added a sixth stage who did some work with the person who wrote the five stages and the sixth stage of grief is meaning making. Yeah. Like what, what, what can I take from this? What can I learn? What is the meaning of this thing in my life so that it doesn't just become this tragic event that triggers me every time, but like, what can I, I just listened to something else about meaning making. I wish I could remember what it was. If I do, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) I do remember. I listened to like a podcast or something about it. That's like a really important skill. Um, resilient skill. Yeah. Like, can you get to the meaning making stage? Which it takes some work to get there, kids. It's like oh, digging, yeah. in, digging in Indiana clay. Yeah. 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 I work. think that's really interesting. Okay. What else do we want to dig into here? Well, I, I, I just think some funny, some funny uh, oh, there's things. Some... There, there's just such great dynamic between Rebecca and her mom. And, and when Bex shows up with the baby um, and, and she says, she says, I think more kind of just to, to piss off the mom and, and Rupert, just like, what a chubby baby. And the baby starts crying and Rebecca goes, congratulations, mother. You've just fat shamed a baby to tears. It's such a great, that, that part is so funny. <laughs> oh, it's such a great quote. Yeah. I would love to be in the, in the writer's room. Oh, I know. Can are, you imagine? Well, and on. I sometimes think like of, of the things that get left in the cutting room floor, you know, like there's probably more hilarity that, that doesn't make it to the show. I'm sure. Yeah. 
for one reason or another. The other funny part I liked as they're wrapping up the therapy session, Ted ends up asking for a hug, yes. which I really love that moment. And she gives him one. And then he asks, are you going to charge me for this session? And she says, of course I am. And for the house call. And he goes, I appreciate your integrity. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so And I, funny. you know, I also really appreciated that scene because here's, you know, Ted just poured his life out. He's obviously more of a touchy feely guy. And so he says like, this may be, he's, you know, he prefaces it. This may be inappropriate, but can I have a hug? Right. And I think again, I, I, I would be interested in what happens with you in this situation, Beth. I know with many of my coaching clients, they will come to me and they are frustrated about a particular scenario, situation, whatever. And, you know, as we unpack it, I'll say, well, did you ask? Have you, you know, oh, yeah. well, I, I didn't get this thing. Well, did you ask for it? Well, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, yeah. So let's talk about how we ask, you know, get to the place where we can ask for what we need and what we want. But so many people are walking around pissed off because somebody else didn't notice something that you thought that they should notice when you've never made it apparent that that's an important thing and you've never asked for the thing that you want. And so when you don't get it, you're pissed. But you can't really be mad at people for not giving you what you want if they don't know that you don't yeah. want it. Yeah. Ask for what you want. Yeah. Ask for the raise. Ask for the responsibility. Ask for the role. Ask for what? Ask. Ask for help. Ask for help. I mean, yeah. I think I'm sure we've said this before. Uh, I was brought up with the the uh, phrase from my dad, the mantra: uh, "You should always ask." The worst thing they can say is no, but they might say yes. Mm -hmm. But you don't know if you don't ask. Yeah. And no is just, just don't, don't attach emotion to it. If it's no, it's no, but yeah. shit, it might be yes. Yeah. And no, isn't always a judgment call. You know, it's not right. always a, uh, it's not personal. Sometimes no is just no for whatever right. reason, you know? Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. Anything else we want to make sure to cover? The only thing I want to say from a funny perspective is I do love all the different ways in which they rickroll us in this episode with the never going to give you up. Yes. Song. Like it's subtle and it happens in yes. multiple places. Like we're just getting rickrolled the whole episode, yes. <laughs> which if you don't know that just Google rickrolled and you'll find some, that's a funny thing we like to do in our house. Um, my husband once sent me a video. I think he found it online. I think somebody had tweeted it or something. And it looks like it's going to be like, look at this shocking news story. And it starts with a news story. And then all of a sudden it's Rick, you're Rick rolled. Like it's Rick Astley yep. in his jeans, jean yes. tuxedo. And well, and, and, and the way that it all ends with the video of, of Rick Astley and and Rebecca's mom's like, that's him. That's Rick. I thought he was black. black. I, I loved that too. <laughs> I loved that too. And here she's like, I think Rebecca even said something before that about like, I think you might have a little crush on Rick Astley. And she's like, I do for sure. But then it turns out she right. didn't know who he was. Right. So I thought and that the, was hilarious. The video is so quintessentially 80s. And oh, yeah. In all, in it's all terrible. The ways. All yeah. the dancing and the bad hair and how the, we made it, you know, we, it must have made us stronger how we made it through that. Speaking yeah. of trauma, like we grew oh, out of that geez. trauma of of the eighties and the four pairs of socks and the peg in your big pants, bangs, big bangs, and Aquanet, all the yep. things. Aquanet, hard rock hairspray. 
Yeah. We made questionable choices. So, all right. I think with that, we will wrap up this joint episode. We'll be back with a more normal (laughs) leadership focused quote unquote last two episodes of this season next time. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us for the diamond dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the diamond dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.